You're listening to The Thrive Podcast with your host, Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. Listen in as Kathleen shares all the things about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. She'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to help grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Okay, peoples, I put a call out on the Instagram a few days ago asking for you to send to me your questions about how to make large-scale installations for weddings and events. And today, I thought I would take a few moments of your beautiful day and answer all the questions that I got. One of the things that you will find out if you go to traditional floristry certification training, whatever way, shape, form that is, is that doing large-scale installations and event work is actually considered like next level, (laughs) whatever that means, right? But it's not stuff that you're usually taught a lot of in terms of mechanics, how-to when it comes to covering off the basics at floral certification. And that is 100% not a fault with floral certification. It's simply, I want you to be aware that that's something you're not really going to learn. And there are so many other things that they need to cover off in that program. I thought it would be worth talking through everything that I've ever learned in terms of doing installations, how we approach installations, all of the ins and outs. And I will also let you know that one of the best ways to actually learn how to do installations is to either go freelance with somebody that does the type of work that you want to be doing so that you can see firsthand exactly how that happens and or sign up to workshops hands-on training because one of the best things you can do in terms of understanding how to create your own large-scale installations is to experiment and try it out with yourself. And one of the fundamentals that I wanted to cover off is part of the reason that large-scale installations look so good is purely because of the volume of ingredients that you use. Even if it's just a complete foliage installation, the amount of foliage that you actually use and that you're actually either hanging from a ceiling, that you're putting on a structure, that you're using as a backdrop, there is truly an abundance of it. And that abundance of product is what actually creates such a wow impact. Even if you just laid all that product on a table, it would still look beautiful. So just in terms of a guiding principle, one of the reasons that installations look so impressive is because of the pure volume of product that is often used. It's so important to keep that in mind in terms of when you're trying to quote, trying to plan out how you're going to do an installation. The more product that you include, the larger your installation, the more impressive the overall net effect will be and the wow factor will be when somebody walks into the room, right? So just remember so much of the installation is purely in the volume of the product. And also to let you know that at both workshops that we're hosting this year in April, We will be doing two full days of installations, so doing um, a hanging installation and doing some sort of ceremony feature. And you guys will all get pictures of that stuff so that you can take it home with you 
But more importantly, you can start to post it on your social media channels. You can feature it on your own website so that your clients will actually start to buy that type of work from you. One of the things I spend a lot of time thinking about and a lot of the time in my own head trying to figure out how to coach you guys in terms of getting the types of inquiries and the types of bookings that you want to be doing It's so much in how you actually market your business and realizing you need to actually invest in and find a way to show your clients what is possible before they even actually buy that design from you. It's so challenging to try and convince your client to do something interesting if you can't show them some sort of visual representation of that. So one of the easiest ways I have found is actually going to workshops, investing in programs where I'm going to get a suite of images that I can then put on my Instagram and then our clients will come to us and be like, oh my gosh, can you make one of those for us, please? And thank you. And it's like this whole vicious cycle. So if you're at all interested, book your space. Jump in. April Workshop is just around the corner. At this particular moment in time, there are only three spots left. Space is limited to just 10 people so that we can all have so much hands-on experience. I can show you exactly how we go about planning and actually creating our installations 100% foam-free, and I'll talk you through the different mechanics and the pros and cons of each which I will also talk to you about today, but there really is only so much information that I can pass on to you through your earbuds. If you are really keen on learning how to do installations yourself, getting that hands-on experience is an absolute must. And enough said, enough warm-up, let's get into it. Question number one, what are the mechanics for a foam-free structure, especially ceiling installations? So in terms of thinking through how to make an installation, you have to really think through your mechanics and think almost more about your mechanics than you do even planning your ingredients. And that's probably an exaggeration because realistically, I would say break your planning into three major components. The actual mechanics, like how is this thing going to be hung? How are you going to secure it from the ceiling? What are your anchor points going to be? How big does your structure need to be? Like your actual mechanics, your base, your frame that sits underneath all of your ingredients. How much is that going to weigh? Is how you're going to hang it appropriate in that venue? Does the venue have pre-existing anchors you can use? Do you need to bring in your own rigging? Think through the actual mechanics first and then think through the ingredients you're going to use and then think through the number of people hours it's going to take to make this thing happen. I live by this principle. The more time you spend planning, the less time and the less frustrating it'll be on site. So literally spend three times as much planning your design and you can get into as much detail as possible and you will spend one third the amount of time when you're actually creating the installation. Something else that I have practiced quite a bit that might be helpful, and this is gonna sound really crazy, but trust me when I tell you that it actually works. If you are going to create an archway, if you're creating a ceremony urn, if you're creating a ceiling installation, a chandelier fixture, whatever it is, it's actually incredibly valuable to sit down and close your eyes and imagine step by step by step exactly how you are going to create this thing. 
go through, pretend that you're climbing up on a ladder, you're placing this ingredient here, you're doing this cable tie here, you've got this chicken wire here, you've got this oasis here, whatever your mechanics are, actually sit down and envision the entire process from start to finish. That simple exercise is so incredibly helpful in terms of you figuring out how you're actually going to make this thing. One of the worst things you could do is not really think it through and realize you get on site and then you're just going to start thinking it through. It's like such a waste of time to have not had thought through like very literally step by step exactly how this whole thing is going to work. You can create whatever sort of detailed drawings you want. It does not matter if you are a good drawer or if you're like me and it looks like total cat scribbles. I am awful when it comes to pen to paper, but I can literally write something down and figure out, okay, so we're going to have an anchor point here and an anchor point here and the rope and cable ties and then this thing's going to be here. What size timber does this come in? Will that timber even fit into the van? It's <laughs> a very good question to ask yourself. If you have roof racks, how are you going to attach it to your roof? There is every single step that you have to think through in terms of you're in the shop or you're at your home studio. How do I get all this material over to the venue? Get it unpacked in the venue. Am I going to use a giant tarp to have everything on? Am I going to separate my green waste from my little bits of plastic or wire so I can compost this stuff? Spend as much time as you possibly can pre-planning. And I mean hours, right? You could probably spend, I'm not even kidding, if you knew it was going to take you and somebody else an estimated two hours on site, you could spend six, eight, ten hours pre-planning, particularly if it's one of your first installations. The more time you sit there and you plan and you very specifically visualize how you're going to make that design, the easier it's going to be on the day. Your brain, here's a total sidetrack story for you, but your brain, if you sit down and 100% with your imagination, go through a step-by-step -step dress rehearsal, your brain will actually remember that so that when you show up on the day, it's like your brain knows you've already done this once before, so you're actually doing it for the second time. Your brain does not distinguish between whether you're doing it in real life with your hands in physical form or you're doing it in your brain. So if you sit down and actually create it very specifically, step by step, take half an hour, take an hour to go through literally how you think you're going to make this thing. Which ingredients are going to go where? Are you going to ombre the color palette? Are you going to scatter things through? What are you going to place first? And then what are you going to place second? What do you want the overall impact to be? The more detail, the better. You could spend a full hour going through that entire process in your head. Then when you actually show up on the day, you've already done it once. And I know that sounds loony bin, <laughs> super loony bin, but try it out. And trust me, it totally works. It doesn't matter if you are creating like a $350 urn arrangement or a $35,000 ceiling installation. If you can spend some time actually step-by-step -step visualizing your installation, your production, and how you're going to make this thing happen, you will always be happier with the end result. So question number one in terms of what are the mechanics? So we have done, I have done everything from like sausage oasis to what we refer to as like double casket bats, single casket bats, have tried it all. And then about a year and a half ago, we migrated towards doing everything foam free. 
And actually, I would say we moved more towards foam-free in our ceiling installations even earlier than that. Because one of my favorite tricks in terms of doing most installations is the power of the cable tie. So we pretty much just cable tie everything to everything else. And it becomes a fairly tangled cable tie extravaganza if you ever actually looked on the inside, like you had some sort of camera that could take you on the inside of the installation. But you are going to create your base. You're going to create as sturdy a base as possible. That might be from foliage. It might be from a few strategic branch placements, or it might be an actual piece of timber or like a metal chandelier that you're actually creating your attachment directly onto. So your base structure, and then directly on top of that, you're going to start layering your ingredients. We cable tie everything to everything else. We've even stopped using chicken wire because it's become too bulky and it does take a lot of product in some cases to even then cover up the chicken wire. We are very intentional in terms of the specific ingredients we choose and we will test out so many different things. Like sometimes I'll be at the market and I'll be like, I wonder if that's gonna work as a dried product. I will grab a bunch of it, I will leave it out of water and see what happens when it dries. There are also going to be a lot of products that can last out of water for up to 24 hours, right? So the whole idea of pretty much anything that's imported, any Australian wildflower, South African wildflower, or native will almost always last really well. Plus things like baby's breath, delphinium, chrysis, anything in the mum family. I reckon 80 to 90% of most of the product that you can have access to Will last really well out of water. Even some surprising things like Lysianthus last really well. Hydrangea, as long as it's got a really woody stem, lasts really well. Delphinium, carnations, roses, even local garden roses for us last really well. And so much of it is just trial and error, right? One of the things that doesn't last well is Queen Anne's lace. It doesn't even last well if it's in water and it's in direct sunlight. I've never had much success with it. As long as it's in the shade, everything's fine. But you will be really, really, really surprised at how well most product lasts with no water source. Just try it out. One of the things is buy the highest quality ingredients that you can and make sure you give it a minimum of 48 hours of a really good hydration period before you're actually putting it in the installation. So when you bring it back from the market, prep it, process it, trim the stems, make sure it's in clean water and let it just sit there rehydrating for at least 48 hours. You will be so surprised at what products actually stand the test of time. One of my general philosophies around doing installations is really embracing the ceremony, embracing the theatrics of the whole experience and understanding that installation is not meant to last for three weeks. It's not a flower arrangement that you're delivering to your mother that needs to last seven to 10 days. This is an installation that's going to, in some cases, <laughs> this is an installation that in some cases is only gonna last a matter of hours. And there are times where you're dealing with temperatures, 45 degrees Celsius, which I think is like 110 Fahrenheit, and you still make it work. And you know, well, it only needs to really look good for about 90 minutes. And if it looks good after the fact, great. In terms of specific go-to ingredients for us and our designs, it will always be some combination of 
large branches to create the armature or the base for the structure. We will always have some combination of dried textures because we are much more the fans of a dried texture rather than too much foliage, 100% pure personal preference. So we have lots of dried baby's breath, dried, um, dried native textures, dried misty, dried so many things. I literally have a wall of dried product. We will try and use a lot of that dried product at least twice. Sometimes we'll push it to even three times. It can get a little bit wrecked and damaged in the installation put up pack down situation. But if you can buy product that you dry and use it as that base, the way that you might use a foliage, we use dried ingredients as exactly the same thing. We will put on our base branches, then start to layer on most of our dried ingredients, and then we will start to place our fresh product. We do tend to place the fresh product last so that we know it's going to still look good in a two hour, 90 minute, two hour window, instead of trying to put it up too, too early. The other thing as well, in almost every single one of our installations, we will include a very few select everlasting, i.e. silk hydrangea stems. The hydrangea stems that we get access to wholesale for, it's like $20 a stem. It's quite expensive, but it is incredibly realistic in what it looks like. And it creates a good amount of texture. We have it in white and then we have it in that like autumnal green color. We will use the white more often than the green, but each to their own. It's 100% worth the investment. If you can find really high quality artificial ingredients and place it through your designs very sparingly, it is a perfect mechanic for you to then be able to place other ingredients into, plus it looks great. So it actually adds to the overall design and aesthetic. Our go-to mechanic in terms of creating installations is just cable ties. We don't use chicken wire. We don't use any sort of like hidden water vessel. We don't use Oasis. Very smart about the ingredients that we choose and we're very intentional in terms of planning out our time and doing these installations. In a couple of places we have to do like the bulk of our installations first thing in the morning before they open as a restaurant, but we'll also have access to it about an hour before the reception. So we'll kind of divide that installation into two separate phases. But experiment with different mechanics. You'll often see on Pinterest a little demo in terms of being able to create really interesting shapes with chicken wire, particularly if you are creating a free form installation. The thing to remember around chicken wire, it will bend if your ingredients get really, really heavy. So if you see something on Pinterest, most often if it's a bit of a free form like curving S shape, beautiful installation. It will be made out of all dried material and using chicken wire and hung by fishing line. So the actual installation itself isn't that heavy. It's really important to think through how heavy your final installation is going to be because it will have an impact on the types of mechanics that you want to be using and potentially there might be some sort of weight load limit if you are doing something that is like a temporary structure in like a big tent. So our go-to mechanic is always cable ties, cable tying things to everything else. We don't use any sort of chicken wire, we don't use any sort of hidden water containers, and we don't use any flower foam. 
I have found that the product didn't even necessarily last any longer in flower foam. It was purely just for my own peace of mind. The thing is too, the water drips down all over the place, which creates a whole other mess that you need to clean up. Plus it gets really heavy because one liter of water weighs one kilogram. And those Oasis bricks definitely suck up more than one liter of water. So they're weighing like a, a couple of kilograms, lots of pounds, and you're having to hang that, which makes your installation quite heavy quite quickly before you've even put any product in. The next question is how do I prep for an installation? Do I prep the structure or do I do everything at once? I am a huge advocate about thinking about your design process in layers. So you're going to have a base layer, which might be simple branches, it might be simple dried textures, it might be a strategic palm leaf or something that's going to create kind of the bottom layer. Then you will start to layer your ingredients on top of it. And you want to almost work backwards. It's very possible that you're actually going to put a few ingredients in that you're never actually going to see as a viewer, but it's there to create the mechanic, to create the armature, to create some sort of structure in terms of you being able to place other ingredients inside. So think about your installations in terms of layers. And the further away your installation is from your audience, the more you can really experiment with exaggeration in terms of if you have unique shapes or forms that you're creating or how much depth you want to create within your installation. The human eye plays a really weird trick where if something's further away, it's actually going to compress the ingredients together. So although you might have put one ingredient, you know, 60 centimeters away from another ingredient, like coming towards the viewer, coming out and down and towards the viewer, it may actually look like it's all in the same line once you get down off the ladder. So really weird thing that happens with the human eye where it just kind of compresses everything at that distance. So the more exaggeration you can incorporate into your design, the better. Definitely think through your base mechanic, your base structure. And remember, you do need to make sure you go through the effort of covering up your entire structure because so much of what the magic of floristry is, is actually covering up your mechanics. But remember, the view is always going to be from the viewers or from the guests' eyes. Nobody else is going to be looking at your installation from up on the ladder. <laughs> Nobody at the party is going to be up on the ladder looking at your installation. They're all going to be on the ground. So make sure you always have the eye of the viewer when you are looking at how you create your installation. How do I estimate how much time it's going to take me to do something? Generally speaking, it's way better to overestimate. And it's way better to have too many people on site helping out than not enough people. It's going to take you a significant amount of time to simply unpack the van and move everything into the venue. Then organizing the team and prepping the plan and talking everybody through, giving them a brief of exactly what's going to happen will also take you a little bit of time. Then you can divide and conquer, check in, cross paths, make sure everybody's working to the same approach, make sure that you like everything that's happening. And then remember, you still have to clean everything up. So I always will tell our team we need to be done at least 30 minutes before the ceremony is scheduled to begin. Most obviously because for us, our guests usually get there about 30 minutes beforehand. I am totally okay if we're taking pictures, if we're doing a last sweep up and doing a last futz. When the few first guests arrive, that's totally fine, but we need to look like it's completely under control. 
For us, if we're going to do a chandelier installation or foliage beam or a pretty significant archway, we will allocate around an hour of really intense flowering or 90 minutes of really intense flowering and that's with a team of three people. Then we know we need about 20 minutes to clean up, half an hour to clean up, or we will clean up as we go. Plus, we know we need about half an hour to simply get all the product out of the van and into the venue on location. So it's more often than not, if you're doing like a $3,000 feature installation, it's probably eight to nine people hours of work on site just to make that thing happen, right? Obviously, it's not one person working for eight to nine hours. You're dividing that amongst a team of three people. But to unload the van, get everything prepped and ready to go, brief the team, start the installation, get everything set, take photos, clean up, make it all tickety-boo, realistically is a two and a half to three hour exercise. Hopefully that gives you some sort of indication. You could absolutely, if you're doing what I consider like just a small corner archway, you could definitely allocate half an hour, an hour, you know, to do that job. But you also need to account for the bump in or the unpacking from your vehicle to get to the location and then the cleaning up. The cleaning up is always the most stressful bit because the guests will be arriving. You won't quite be finished your installation and you kind of just need to wrap it up. <laughs> so at a bare minimum, if you're doing something quite simple, it's a two hour window for one person. If you're doing something that's a $3,000 installation, it's three people times two to three hours, and then multiply it by how big your installation actually is. The other thing to really keep in mind is that the venues that you work at might have limitations or requirements in terms of when you are allowed to access the space, when you have to have the space cleaned up, and when you come back to pack down. Make sure you know what those guidelines are before you commit too much to your client. And don't ever be shy to tell your client, let me check with the venue in terms of how we can operate. Let me check with the venue in terms of how... when we can access the space, when we need to pack down, et cetera, and get back to you with some detailed quotes, but here's a rough guideline. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite tips. If you see an installation on Pinterest or Instagram that you really like and you want to recreate it in a specific venue, you can actually sit down and dissect somebody else's installation and identify and make your own recipe specifically just by looking at their reference photo. You can literally look at it, open up a spreadsheet or grab a pen and a piece of paper and start to write down every ingredient that you see and start to count the estimated number of stems of every ingredient that you see. Definitely add on an additional 20 to 30% of product because there's gonna be some stuff that's hidden underneath. There's gonna be different layers of ingredients in there. But that is how you can actually go out and look at somebody else's installation and go, oh, I wish I had a recipe for that. You just can create it yourself. And the best bit about that is that you get to modify your list of ingredients and your recipe based on what's in season for you, based on your own design style and preference. One thing that I have taught my students in terms of how to make a recipe that scales to size is 
literally, if you're looking at an archway, if you're looking at a ceiling installation, you do need to make a bit of a best guess as to how big you think that installation is. One of the things to really go off of is if there's a rose in there, or even better, if there's a carnation in the installation, and we know that carnations are approximately eight centimeters, 10 centimeters in diameter, you can actually estimate how big that installation is by truly just imagining how many carnations might be lined up end to end. It's a very weird thing to do, but if you literally kind of went, okay, there's one carnation here, so how many carnations across is this installation, and how many carnations high is this installation? You can do the same thing with roses, you can do the same thing most of the time with hydrangeas, you can do the same thing with you know, flowers that you have a rough guide as to how big that particular ingredient is, and then you kind of go, okay, so I think it's 120 carnations wide and 30 carnations high and extrapolate the math based on that. And then you'll know if you sit down and you identify the ingredients and then you create a recipe, you'll also then have estimated the approximate size of that particular installation. You can then modify your recipe based on how big or how much smaller you want your version of that installation to be. I hope that that makes sense, but it's a little bit confusing to try and explain these things without actually showing it to you. Next question was, when you are constructing a ceremony feature, does it matter what it looks like from behind? Do you need to hide the mechanics? I think you always need to hide the mechanics, no matter what the situation is. The one exception is if you can't actually get behind and if people aren't actually going to get behind the ceremony installation, then it certainly doesn't matter as much. But if people are even able to view it from the side, if they're able to view it from underneath, absolutely, I am an advocate for making sure that floristry stays magical. And so much of that magic is actually in the fact that the mechanics are completely hidden. I do think it always serves you better if you can make it look tidy and finished. If you have a whole bunch of exposed chicken wire and cable ties or Oasis something or others or whatever mechanics you've used, it just looks really unprofessional and really untidy, which doesn't necessarily reflect all that well on you. Last question, how can you prep as much as possible in advance? So like I was talking earlier, the whole idea about sitting down and actually envisioning the entire process step by step in your head, super duper helpful. I would have a very specific list and written down approach as to exactly how things are going to go. Who's going to be responsible for hanging the piece of timber? How is that piece of timber going to be hung? If you need to go do a site visit to double check the distances between your anchor points, definitely do that. The more time you spend planning and preparing, the better the result will be of your installation. I've heard a couple designers if they're using flower foam, will actually create their double casket oasis on their workbench and then take it and just attach it to the archway. I have never done that. I've never necessarily been a fan of that, but each to your own. If that is your approach and you like it, don't change it. You know, if you're really happy with the output and you're really happy with the process, go for it. I do think there's a definite advantage to being able to design in situ because you get an understanding of the scale and the overall impression and where you need to put more emphasis or less emphasis, where you need to bulk up your design, where you can have a little bit of negative space because it's actually in situ at the venue. 
prepping as much as possible, labeling your buckets, figuring out exactly what ingredients are going to go up in what order, having everything very much lined up for you. It's like having a painter's palette and literally having everything organized, everything in its own compartment, everything separated. You don't have stems mishing mashy all over the place. The messier your workspace, the messier your brain, the more it's going to impact your overall design experience. If you are going to be peeling roses, having somebody on hand who can peel those roses for you or having them pre-peeled before you get to the venue. We have pre-peeled in some cases, but I find that they tend to always just kind of peel up and you have to re-peel them again. So we don't do that anymore and we just peel everything on site. Plus, roses are a little bit easier to peel the older that they are. I really hope that that random narrative and answering your questions around installations has been helpful. There are so many different mechanics that you can try, that you can use, and different mechanics are called for in different situations. And absolutely, if you feel like installations are something you want to get more experience with, installations are something you want more time spent on, sign up for my April workshop because we're going to do two full days of installations. So we can talk through what happens if you're doing a hanging installation, and then you can talk through what happens if we're going to do something on the ground or something in urn arrangement, something that sits at eye level. And you will get photos of all of that work, full-on style shoots, and you at work, so that you can start to post that on your social media channels. You can start posting it on your website so that your clients can come to you and say, oh my gosh, I love what you did here. Can you please do that for my wedding? And you're like, yes, I can. And we will also talk through how to price, how to plan, how to make sure that you're quoting for all the logistics and labor associated with installations as well. Okay, kids, if you found this podcast helpful, definitely go in and leave a review and share it with your friends. If there's somebody out there that you think would benefit from listening to this podcast, let them know that it exists. I'd love to meet them in their earbuds. (laughs) Anyway, I will be doing more of this Q&A stuff, so stay tuned. If you're not following me on Instagram, it is at littlebirdbloom. And I will see y'all in a few days. Have a good one, friends.